Welcome to the Illini Drive ReliQuest Bowl Special. This is the Daily Illini Sports Podcast with Josh Peach and Carson Gordy here to talk all about Illinois' ReliQuest Bowl game against Mississippi State on Monday, January 2nd at 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Carson, what a big step for the Illinois football program in year two under Brett Bielema. They improved from 5-7 and seven to 8-4, and four, and now you're in position to play on a New Year's Bowl game against a really good 8-4 and four SEC team in Mississippi State. I mean, it's big. It's a January Bowl. Like, when you look at programs like Wisconsin, you look at programs like Iowa, they do play in Outback Bowls. They play in Citrus Bowls. Illinois in year two with Brett Bielema is there. Yeah. And the way that he rebuilt this program, I mean, that's how you win in the Big Ten. I mean, he fixed the defense. Yep. You know, Lovey Smith, 35 points a game. In year two, now they're only giving up 12 points a game. Mm-hmm. They're still running the ball with Chase Brown, and they're still going to keep it up with, you know, Reggie Love and Josh McCray. It's an exciting time to be an Illinois fan. And, you know, if they can continue to, you know, improve that spread offense, they can start competing against the new Wisconsin's of the world yearly. Yeah, Carson, it took Lovey Smith four years to get to a bowl game. In 2019, they went 6-6 six and six and played Cal in the Red Box Bowl, ended up losing that game and going 6-7. and seven. And when Brett Bielema got hired, we were saying about the same thing, you know, good hire by Josh Whitman. We know what he can do with a struggling program like Illinois. Let's get to a bowl game by year four. Well, in year one, you go five and seven, and you know, a couple of games go your way. Maybe a win against Rutgers, you end up at six and six. You don't get a bull bid, probably for a good thing. The team improves, goes eight and four in year two under Brett, and here you are playing in a better bowl game than you thought you'd be in, possibly by year four. So, credit to Brett Bielema, credit to the staff that he put together, and of course, pre- credit to the players for playing well enough to get to this game. But I think this really shows how big of a hire Brett Bielema was and what he can do with this Illinois program that's really been struggling since 2007. I mean, even before 2007, I would say even the 1990s. I mean, this is a program that had really high highs in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. 2001, they win the Big Ten Championship. They lose in the Sugar Bowl. Then the next year, they go 5-7. and Um, They make the Rose Bowl in 2007. And then in 2008 and 2009, they get back-to-back losing seasons. Yep. So I guess next year is the big year for Illinois football. You know, can they keep pace? But, you know, you trust Brett Bielema. Like, he's a guy that, you know, he won at Wisconsin. Even Arkansas, that's been deemed an absolute failure, he made three bowls in five years. And then the three coaches after him all struggled. Yeah, they all struggled. So maybe Arkansas, maybe a tougher job than people think, and they just have unrealistic expectations. Yeah, so you look at you know Illinois under the Lovey Smith era, you pray for six wins, year four you get it, and you make the Red Box Bowl, which is by no means a great bowl. Yes, it's a bowl game, you get to play a good Cal team, but your expectations are pretty low. So, of course, you come in with low expectations for Brett Bielema. Well, expectations change fast when you start the year at 6-1, and one, where you're looking to make a Rose Bowl, an Orange Bowl, or maybe something like a Citrus Bowl and get to the Big Ten championship game. So, that Illinois only going 8-4, and four, I mean, what do you really think of that as a season? Because, like I said, expectations change fast when you start winning games. That's the thing. You know, before the year, we, you know, we were saying if Illinois was a competitive 5-7, and seven, we're happy. Yeah. We thought six wins was very possible. You and I put the over-under for wins at the beginning of the season at four and a half. Yeah, and they shattered expectations. But you do look at the teams that they did beat. I mean, Wisconsin is not going to be the mediocre Paul Chris program anymore. Nebraska's got an adult in the room. I mean, Matt Rule is a proven program builder. So it's going to be a lot harder to win those kind of 50-50 games. I think it's a great question because, you know, Illinois football fans, they got sick of Ron Zook pretty early. Yeah. I mean, Ron Zook made a Rose Bowl, finished his tenure with back-to-back six-win regular seasons, and he got kicked out the door. Um, Lovey Smith made a bowl game in 2019. If COVID probably didn't hit the world in 2020, 
Illinois probably makes a bowl game. Yeah. Because they had an easy non-conference schedule and returned a lot of starters. I think the one thing that people have never realized with Illinois is that they're kind of already in the area of winning six games a year. Yeah. When Boston College wins six games a year, you know, when all these programs expect to make bowls, Illinois should too. So yeah, let's see if Illinois can start winning eight games a year. I think that is the realistic bar. I think if Brett Bielema started only going six and seven every year, I do think he'd get fired. So let me ask you then, because we've seen a little bit of change among each of the Illinois coaches in the coaching tree. You have Ron Zook, who's getting five and four star guys. He was more of a rah-rah coach, though. He couldn't develop his talent, misses a bunch of bowl games in a row. I think that Illinois fans generally like to ignore the Tim Beckman and Bill Cubitt era. That didn't work out for anyone. You know, a little bit of allegations there, not enough skill on the rosters. Then you go into Lovey Smith who gets you one bowl game in five years. You're at the bottom of the Big Ten for recruiting. Illinois has a new coach in Brett Bielema who takes over those players, and, well, he goes 8-4. and four. And with Brett Bielema, we're already seeing Illinois get improvement in recruiting classes, so that leads to the question, what is the expectation? Because though Brett Bielema is clearly, in my opinion, the best coach Illinois has had in 15, 20 years, and he's improving the recruiting already, he knows how to build a staff, well, the, best, the rest of the Big Ten is getting better, too. So as far as bowl games go, is the Outback Bowl or the ReliQuest Bowl, excuse me, the bar, or is it higher or lower than that? I mean, realistically, you have to say the bar is always a little bit higher. All right. I'm sorry. Like, it's a 12-team playoff. It's going to sound crazy to say that Illinois can make it someday, but they potentially could. I mean, the 12-team playoff is not the craziest thing. You know, you go 10-3, and three, you, you know, you're the 11 seed. Yeah. Um, but that's not something you expect every year. Right. If you're an Illinois fan, you want seven to eight wins, get me to basketball season. Yeah. If Brett can do that, he keeps his job. If he does more than that, he might get a statue. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, yeah. you know, you put, like, Ron Zook. He makes a Rose Bowl, and Illinois fans want more. You see the, recru- the recruiting increase after that, but your wins actually go down considerably, right? You have losing seasons after that a couple years in a row, which lose- leads to... Ron Zook getting fired, so I think we have to see what happens, you know, in Lincoln. I think we have to see what happens in Madison, maybe in West Lafayette with Ryan Walters, too. You have changes among the coaching staff, but the point is that with this bowl game, things are looking way higher in Champaign than we thought going into the last couple years because you don't have the most talented roster on paper as far as recruiting goes. You know, you have Lovey Smith's players, and you have a coaching staff that's still trying to figure things out, a first-year offensive coordinator, and you still make a very good bowl in the Reliquist Bowl, formerly known as the Outback Bowl. It just shows where the program's going, which is, you know, awesome for them. And now they're taking on a good SEC program. Yeah. People don't realize Mississippi State, pretty good under Dan Mullen. They fired Joe Moorhead, still made bowls in both of his years. And then Mike Leach obviously took the offense to a pretty good level. Yeah. And unfortunately, Mike Leach has passed away, and that kind of put a bit of a damper on this bowl. I mean, as a journalist, I was excited to finally see Mike Leach in person. He's somebody that I've always respected in the game of football. Yeah, and, you know, you have Brett Bielema. The first thing he talked about in his press conference uh, when Illinois got the bid to the ReliQuest Bowl was, hey, you guys are going to get to see press conferences with the most entertaining coach in football in Mike Leach. And as awesome a person he is, as funny he is, you know, as much of a personality that he has in college football, the dude's a pretty damn good coach. He went 8-4 and four in a tough SEC, you know, conference this year. He runs the air raid offense, you know, as much as anyone in the entire country. He has a good staff with a great defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett, who's now going to be their head coach moving forward in this air raid offense that got you eight wins with a good QB and Will Rogers. So the point is that Carson, Illinois really has their, you know, their hands full with this team and a a team that's going through an emotional roller coaster, a full team, 
I think, zero opt-outs that really wants to win this game. And that's the thing that's going to make this a tough game for Illinois. Yeah. Chase Brown's gone. Sidney Brown's gone. You know, Witherspoon, first-round draft pick potentially in the NFL. He will He's be. gone. So when you take away two of your better players in the secondary, Taz Nicholson, you know, is dealing with injuries, and you're going against Will Rogers, the guy with 34 touchdowns and only six picks, is this, gonna, is this game going to be Purdue 2.0? You, you you have to think that Illinois are the clear underdogs here, right? I it's know only that a point. It's only a point spread, but Illinois has guys opting out. And I do think that the Mississippi State roster in all is just better. Like, Will Rogers is an extremely accurate quarterback. They don't rush the ball well, but they had two guys go for four, 532 and 488 yards. But you look at the receiving court, Carson. Their leading receiver had 626 yards and seven touchdowns, but then you had... Four guys that were all within 23 yards of each other with 472, 467, and 449, each scoring three or more touchdowns, their leader with eight. This is an extremely balanced receiving attack, which, you know, maybe losing Devon Witherspoon isn't as bad in that case because you don't have a number one guy that you have to worry about. But regardless, you've got playmakers all over the offense that can beat you. Yeah, I, that's, that's what's tough about thinking about Mississippi State. They're not going to try to run the ball. Yeah, They're going to throw it. And Illinois has one of the top, you know, pass coverage teams in the country. Well, but let's dig a little deeper. Yeah, you know, against Purdue, they didn't get a pass rush. No, Aiden O'Connell torched them. They didn't get a pass rush against Michigan State. And Painthorn picked them apart with screen passes and some deep shots. Indiana put up 360 yards through the air. Yep. So if the law firm of Randolph and Newton, if they're not sacking Will Rogers, it's going to turn into whether Illinois can win a shootout. Yeah. Can Tommy DeVito? In his final game, his last year as a college player, up and down career, win a shootout. Yeah, I think you hit on all the key players there. Tommy DeVito on the offense, and then Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton on the defense. For the defensive side, by the way, I think you also have to highlight the linebackers and Tariq Barnes and C.J. Hart and possibly Gabe Yakis at that outside linebacker position too. Because a key is that Will Rogers, as great as he is a passer, he's not super mobile, which I think definitely works in – Illinois' favor, favor, like for whatever it's worth, Will Rogers did not have a rushing touchdown this year. So I think that speaks volume to his ability. Now, he's very good in the air. But the point is that if these guys, you know, that don't have to worry about a QB spy like Tariq Barnes and C.J. Hart can help get pressure on on Will Rogers and go into more of a front seven rather than dropping back in coverage, I think that can help them too. But you're right. Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton have to play their hearts out. And then Tommy DeVito in his last game is really going to have to be on and accurate because this might turn into a shootout. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't see that with DeVito against Purdue. No. We didn't see it against Michigan State. He struggled with accuracy at the end of the games. Yeah. And that's the thing with Mississippi State. They don't have the best rush defense. No. I mean, they give up 140 yards a game. But first of all, they don't have to go against Chase Brown. Nope. And second... If you just slow down the running game, just don't give up the big play if you're Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, like, against Purdue, we saw Illinois with a ton of chances, right? But we saw Tommy DeVito missing reads and missing passes in the cold weather. So maybe it helps that he's playing in the warm weather. It's going to be about 80 degrees in Tampa for the game, which is awesome for both teams, I guess, playing in good weather. Mississippi State's last game was against Ole Miss, which was basically in the rain. But the point is that Illinois is going to have to make plays on offense because I think that Mississippi State, no matter what, Carson's going to give you 25, 30 points on offense. Like, I don't think there's any way Illinois looks at this offense and goes, yeah, we can hold them to 10, 15 points. If they do, that's great. But it's going to turn to the offense. So the question is, what can Reggie Love do? 
is Barry Lunny going to put the ball in Isaiah Williams' hands? And is Tommy DeVito going to you know go out with a bang in his last game? So it's tough. You got to, like you said, it's a lot like Purdue, and you're going to have to improve on what you did at the end of the year. So the biggest X factor is can DeVito hit some deep shots? I think so. Can DeVito be accurate? But which wide receiver has to step it up the most for Illinois? I ha- it, it has to be Isaiah. Is it Isaiah? Is it Pat Bryant? I still think it's Isaiah because you've got a Mississippi State team that we think is very rock solid, right? Yeah, Alabama and Georgia put up their points. You saw some weird games where, like, uh, you know, Auburn scored some points on them, but Arkansas only scored 17 points on Mississippi State. Will Levis at home against Mississippi State only put up 27 points. Like, this is a very rock-solid defense, so you're going to have to have at least one or two guys that are going to have to play a really, really good game. Even LSU only scored 31 points. And that's a team that looked like a college football playoff caliber team for a little bit. So someone's got to step up. And when you have an NFL caliber playmaker like Isaiah Williams that could potentially take a screen pass to the house for a touchdown, guys like him, I think, are going to have, a, have to have a really good game. you got to get the ball in his hands. Yeah. So what's Tommy's legacy? Let's say uh, they win this game, they lose this game. Like, what do you think, you know, how are people going to view this era of him? It's really weird because he only has one year with the program, right? Like, it it kind of feels feels like Tommy DeVito's been there for a couple of years because he was the guy that was at the head of a team that went from five and seven to a strong eight and four that could have won nine, ten games. When Illinois lost to Michigan State, no one looked at Tommy DeVito as his fault. He had a great game. He was efficient, had 280 pass yards and two touchdowns, right? So I think it's. A little bit of like this was our transition guy, but he was the first Illinois quarterback to have a really, really good year since Nathan Shieldhaus, right? Crazy. Back in 2012, which is nuts in 10 years. So, you know, people are you know saying the most important pieces on this Illinois team, even though Tommy DeVito is not the best, and I think might struggle to be on a roster in the NFL. He did his job, he did right? His he job. he did more than his job. Yeah, and you know, he wanted to come back for seventh year. And he was open about the fact that he said, hey, guys, I tried it. My waiver got denied. This is it for me. But it's not my choice. It's the NCAAs. Yeah. And, you know, I guess that's what's good about the transfer portal is that it helps programs like Illinois get a head start. Yeah. Instead of having to rely on Leary to be the quarterback or Cal Swanson, like a guy like him in the future, you can get an experienced guy that has something to prove. Mm-hmm. Tommy DeVito came in here very determined student of the game, made connections with his wide receivers, and it's Illinois' best year since 2007. I'm always going to be a fan of Tommy DeVito. Me too. Big time. Can you imagine if Art Sikowski had a start this year? Oh, my gosh, dude. That would have been terrible. I mean, I know that we wanted guys better like Adrian Martinez maybe going into the year, but Tommy DeVito really worked out. He had a connection with Barry Lunny. And what happened when he got hurt? Illinois almost blew a game against Iowa that they should have scored 20 points in. Yeah, they only scored nine. Yeah. So let me ask you then, because, you know, on the offensive note, we see Barry Lunny coming in here. He only has Tommy DeVito for one more game, but he has a wide receiver group that he's going to pretty much work with in full next year along with his running back group. So what do you think Barry Lunny might take some risks? Because unfortunately for Barry Lunny, his Achilles heel this year is that he didn't have good play calling in key situations, and I don't think he took, took a ton of risks. So you and I think, Carson, that Mississippi State's better. So if Illinois, quote-unquote, has nothing to lose, they have do you think that lose. Barry Lunny's going to get a little innovative in this game? Nobody has anything to lose in a bowl game. A bowl game is a celebration. For the players. For the players, for everyone. Yeah. I mean, name me a head coach that got fired because he didn't win bowl games. No, you get fired because you stink in the regular season and don't yeah. beat your rival. Right. I mean, if you lose to Mississippi State, this does not change the trajectory of the program. Yeah. This doesn't make Luke Altmaier not want to commit to Illinois. This right. has nothing to do with the defensive improvement. It's a single game. So, yes, I think this is a great opportunity for Illinois to test some things against an SEC program. Yeah. 
Give it to Isaiah. Yes. You know, throw it 50 yards down the field to Pat Bryant. Let's see what Aaron Henry can do as a play caller against one of the best passing attacks in the country. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Ryan Walters, arguably the best coordinator in the country, leaves for, for Purdue. Aaron Henry was able to develop, to develop guys like Devon Witherspoon and Kendall Smith and the guys that ended up being really, really good that you're losing now. But, you know, like you've said before, the question about him is the play calling. So let's see what he can do. You have absolutely nothing to lose against this high-powered high powered team on offense and defense. Take some risks. Put your guys out there. Like, this, you know, in a way, Carson, this is a preview for what you're going to be dealing with next year, yeah. right, on offense and defense with, with your coordinators at the helm. So let's see what you can do. Take some risk. If you lose by 20 points, who cares as long as there's promise? You know, you can't always rely on Chase Brown, the ball carrier. No. I mean, next year, he's gone. I do feel at times that they use Chase Brown as a crutch. Yeah. 40 carries against Minnesota, 30 against Iowa, Michigan the last drive. Let's just run it up the middle three times with Chase Brown. That's not how you win Big Ten championships. You could argue that he locked up your play calling a little bit. It's kind of like the Kofi Coburn connection in basketball last year. Against Michigan on the final drive, if you don't have the nation's leading rusher, does the play calling look different? I think it does. They said, let's ride it with Chase Brown. Yeah. So... You know, a lot of people wanted Chase Brown to come back next year. It seemed like a possibility that Chase Brown was I wanted gonna, him. He was going to take the NIL money, yeah. you know, partner up with you know Luke Altmaier, Isaiah Williams. But in a way, it's you know it's kind of taken off the kid wheels. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be more of an emphasis on developing this passing game. And I think Reggie Love and Josh McCray, those guys are studs. They're good. They're good players. Yeah, I do think being a running back is a product of your environment. I think so too. And I think it also helps because even though we're seeing the last game of Alex Palczewski this year, you have a transfer coming in from East Carolina. And it seems like your offensive line is going to be just as good, if not a little better and more productive than it was last year. So that's not something you're going to worry about, which is why I think, man, like this is just your opportunity to use your guys and, you know, see if something works for next season. Like I'm just, I'm really excited for the opportunity that's there because even though you have, you know, nothing left with, you know, Tommy DeVito for games wise after this, you have four wide receivers that are coming back and two running backs that have had limited play time or injuries, you know, for them not playing that are hungry to get out there. All right. So Illinois, you know, they were favorites for a while in Vegas, but sharp money has gone, has gone towards Mississippi. And the opt outs probably have something to do with that. Oh, absolutely. You know, the Bulldogs, they're one point favorites. Yeah. I think that's being generous. I think that is saying Vegas respects Illinois. I think so, too, which is weird to me. I would probably put the line at like five and a half for that, Mississippi that's, State. That's what it thinks, right? Yeah. I just wonder why that is. Like, I, I think, Do you see something in Illinois' defense that's just, you know, we, we don't expect or what? Like, we've been covering them all year, but to the outside eye, what is Illinois great at? They're physical. I think that's huge. Yeah. You know, in Big Ten play, like, they are going to play well at the line of scrimmage. Maybe they trust Tommy DeVito not to make bad decisions. And overall, Illinois does have a phenomenal defensive line. They really do. But we saw that more against Nebraska. We mm-hmm. saw that more against Wisconsin's you know, rebuilding offensive line. Yeah. We didn't see it against Purdue. They didn't How, touch O'Connell. However, we did see it against Michigan. They did see it against Michigan. Because they stopped the run and they put some pressure on McCarthy. But McCarthy, that's the thing with Michigan. Unlike Purdue, they don't take chances in the passing game. True, but they've got the best offensive line in the conference. I guess it's more about the quick passing game then. Yeah. You know, if a guy gets the ball out quickly, I mean, it's going to be tough to get him. I mean, Michigan handcuffs their offense for sure. Illinois is a good team, but, you know, Mississippi State, one-point favorite. I got to take the Bulldogs to win this game. Absolutely. Me too. I I, I do think they're going to win. And we've said this before, Carson, it's just like the Red Box Bowl in 2019. 
you're facing a team that is better than you. In Cal's case in 2019, they won six of the seven games or something that their quarterback started and he was hurt. Like, this is a team that's better than you, which is why I think you have nothing to lose. So what, what's your score prediction? I kind of see like a 24-21 kind of game. I think Illinois is going to show up and play really well. And if Illinois does win this game, I'm not going to be shocked. Let me explain this to you, Carson. I think that the passing game is going to get opened up. You're not handcuffed with your play calling because of Chase Brown. And as we've seen this year with Illinois and Tommy DeVito, the more you pass, the better Tommy gets. So I think that they're going to pass the ball a lot, and maybe Barry Lenny will be able to find a hole in this offense, or Isaiah Williams will have the game of the year in a bowl game, which would be a great time. But with that being said, I don't trust Illinois too much to stop Mississippi State on defense, especially with Devon Witherspoon out. I'm going to go with something more like 31-20 to 20 Mississippi State. I, I do think that they're, this is going to be pretty similar to the Red Box Bowl. But with that being said, the margin of error is huge in this game. I mean, you know, one point tells it all. Like, this game could really go either way. So would I be shocked if Illinois won? No, but my prediction for them is to lose by 7 or 10 points. I think in the future, Illinois does kind of win this game. When yeah. you get a quarterback that's maybe a little more talented, mm-hmm. you get better wide receivers. When Illinois won games this year, they controlled the narrative from the start. Well, you controlled both sides of the line of scrimmage, which really helped. When your time of possession is 10, 15 minutes more than the other team, yeah, you feel pretty good about winning. Exactly. But against, you know, Michigan State against Purdue, they weren't controlling the clock. They were playing from behind. Tommy DeVito had to play catch-up and had to win a shootout. And unfortunately, Tommy, I respect you. You did a great job here. But we're not sure that you can do that against Mississippi State. And if Tommy DeVito struggles, you're going to take no time off the clock when you're on offense, right? But it goes into you know, Illinois' favor that Tommy DeVito is a very accurate passer, and when he gets the ball in his hands more, he does improve as the game goes on, and I truly believe that. So maybe that helps Illinois, which is why I think this thing really is so wide open. Could Aaron Henry, you know, struggle in his first game as play-calling defense? Maybe. Or he could use what he learned from Ryan Walters this year, carry out his execution. You know Ryan Walters has all the respect for his staff and Brett Bielema and the rest of Illinois' you know, team as a whole and the entire program. So it's not like he's going to you know, not give them advice or whatever, Like at least have some support for them for the game. So I could see Aaron Henry riding that out. Could Barry Lunny you know, feel trapped without Chase Brown and either pass the ball or run the ball too much with that handcuff play calling we saw throughout the year, especially against Michigan? Maybe. Or he could rely heavily, heavily on the pass game, get the ball into Isaiah Williams and Pat Bryan's hands and score 30 points. So... Really, this is just a question mark of what we're going to see, but I just love the opportunity that Illinois has here as underdogs. Yeah, you know, if Illinois gets a pass rush, if Tommy DeVito throws for under for over 275 yards, yeah. I would switch my prediction. Yeah, That's sure. what I would say. But right now, it just that's too uncertain for me. I, it's been a great year. You know, even if they finish 8-5 and five and nine or 9-4, and four, there's really not it, that big of a difference. It doesn't matter. It would be a nice celebration. I think it would be really, really nice for Alex Palczewski and Tommy DeVito and Kendall Smith and those type of guys to get that win as seniors. Or maybe for someone like Reggie Love or Isaiah Williams or Keith Randolph coming into next year to end 2022 and into 2023, I suppose, on a high note. But another thing I'd like to point out, Carson, before we potentially move on or whatever, is that against Northwestern, and I, I get it, they're bad, but they do have a talented roster. Reggie Love had a really good game. No, he did. He had a much more productive game than Chase Brown, who might be doing with injuries. We don't know. But the point is that they really are you know, set up to succeed in the run game. But I do think that Reggie Love could really show what he's made of in this game against Mississippi State. Yeah, Chase Brown didn't play great against Northwestern, and Reggie Love did. 
Well, that's the thing. It's like if the offense line's playing well, if the passing game can keep the defense honest, any running back can succeed. It doesn't matter that Chase Brown's out. If Mississippi State stacks the box against Reggie Love, he's not going to get a lot of yards. Yeah. I, so it's going to be up to DeVito. It really is. It, it sounds so simple, but the quarterback will win the game. Mississippi State's got a lot of guys returning. Illinois has a lot of guys playing with nothing to lose. Maybe Mississippi State does too. But guys playing with nothing to lose means they're going to play more physical and more aggressive, which to me just you know can only be a good thing for yeah. Illinois. And and like we said, I just want to keep emphasizing it because you know if they lose and they don't look that good, don't get concerned. I don't it want I don't want anyone to you know be concerned for the state of the program in the future. I don't want you to think anything about Barry Lunny or the running back group or the defense to come. There's a long off season ahead of us. We got a lot of spring ball to get through. You know, position coaches and coordinators are changing. Like I just, if Illinois doesn't do well, this is just you know, predicting that they maybe lose by ten or fifteen points or whatever. It's just pump the brakes for a second because there's a lot to come with this Illinois team. No, absolutely. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode of the Daily Illini Sports Podcast, and that's gonna do it for this part of the Illini Drive Bowl Game Special. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Daily Illini Sports Podcast.